kind of want damage right. through your stuff. <laughs> We're live, by the way, for uh, Absolute Absec episode number 18, where you're joined by uh, Chris Gates tonight. How's it going? And uh, Seth Law, uh, co-host of Absolute Absec. Like always, welcome. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having me. No, we're really glad. Uh, so for those that don't know, Chris and I live like real close to each other. So he was able to come over tonight and, uh, and uh, it was, it, a se- it was a seven hour flight. I'm really tired. Totally jet lagged. Here we go. Special <laughs> for everyone watching. That, that's okay. He can give you a sticker, Chris. So it, it's totally worth it. Sweet. Yeah, stickers. I forgot about that. Yeah. So uh, typically the way we kick this off and I'm about to, just make sure that we have, like, I've got this up and running. Make sure everybody knows we're going live. Um, okay. So, Seth, you're going to watch for questions? Yep. I got Sweet. it. All right. Cool. Um, right. So, first way we typically start this is uh, to ask you um, about your origin story, your background. Uh, it's a little weird because I, I know some of these things about you already. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, if you could tell people basically how you got in the security industry. Oh, I'll have yeah. to do. All right, I'll do the. I'll do the clean version. Um, the clean you version. Can do whatever version you want, man. I don't know if I'm ready to drop all the deets. Uh, I don't know who's listening. Um, when I, so, uh, West Point graduate, computer science major. It was an NT4 shop, and the solution to everything broken was to reimage your stuff. And so about time, um, I said, I'm going to start figuring this out and try to fix my own damn computer. And uh, that's how I got started. I didn't have like a, a TRS-80 or anything crazy. Um, first time I touched a computer, I was in college. Um, so I got a late start, I guess, compared to, uh, to most people in the biz. Um, yeah, and then uh, so computer science uh, major. Then uh, there was they did a hacking class at West Point. It was the thing you take senior year. Uh, part of that was the cyber defense exercise. What year was oh. this? Uh, uh, see, I'm ancient. It's um, 2002. That's pretty good to have a cyber. Yeah, so they had it before before CCDC was popular, and uh, all the service academies did essentially what CCDC is. But it was just um, Merchant Marines, uh, Army, Navy, uh, and the Air Force Academy. And we would all compete against each other to see who would win because that's what service academies do. Um, yeah, so did that. And then um, through a lovely set of synchronicities, I, I got to do an extra semester at school. And that extra semester, uh, the teachers took me out to DEF CON 10. And so there I was, top of the Alexis Park, sweating my ass off. In 2002? 2002. Yeah, listening to uh, Bruce Potter talking about WEP and cracking WEP. And Jeremiah Grossman was talking about this weird thing called cross-site scripting. scripting. And everyone, everyone's like, what is this junk? It's dumb. And uh, <laughs> I was like, attacks? what are those? Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was brand new, right? Um, and, you know, watching the, uh, the CTF that was going on and the crazy Chinese lady talking and Domokan, ah! Developers, developers, you guys weren't even there. No, I wasn't like, there. I have yeah, no it's like I knew that's what I wanted to do at that point. I was still kind of like not sure what I wanted to do. I had branched uh, Signal, which is like communications for the Army. And so I was going to go do IT stuff, but I really um, 
didn't know that security was my thing until that summer in Vegas. So DEF CON's pretty much where the interest started for you? Yeah, I mean, I was interested. That's where, like, I knew. Oh. Does that make sense? It probably makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. Like there was interest, and then you're locked in. You, yeah, you I was like, these start. are my people. This is what I want to do. Um, this is, you know, I went war driving for the first time in Vegas with people, and it was just, yep. you know, the winners ended up, and the, probably the really sums up the experience. We drove all around, and you know, there was points for, like, unique ones and then points for most. Uh, the people that wanted to show a script to generate fa- uh, fake access points and max, <laughs> right? So like the epitome of DEF CON and, you know, the transition you make as you do this for a long time of like maybe doing things by the book to understanding that hackers really just figure out the best and most efficient way to do it. Yeah, definitely the most efficient. Most right. So, way. you know, these people didn't even leave the building. They just coded something that made it. So um, amazing, right? So that's how I got started. Nice. No, that's interesting. I, I mean, that's that's one thing that was going around last week, right? Was the like the one true way to infosec? Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that on Twitter. That you know. Oh, I, I missed that. If it was, if it was like were... a rat rob or something like that, saying that oh, you couldn't be a real security professional unless you spent some time either as a developer or as a you know IT support person. Right? Oh, I didn't see that. Um... Yeah, I mean, we could talk about that if you want. Um, no, no, I true? like. I mean, that, that's part of the reason why we we, we talk to people about it because I don't think I, we've run into anybody that had that's had like. I mean, I have a traditional kind of development background, but even then, mine isn't like super extensive. I didn't spend ten plus years as a developer, and right. I mean, yours, <clears throat> you've got some development from the CS degree, right? I assume. I, yeah, I muddled through Ada. <laughs> yeah. <sweet. laughs> Yeah, no, I'd say they're probably moving through some Java at that time, right? Uh, you know, they switched to Java after, but I did Ada and I muddled through it. It actually took me, I was doing this professionally before I started figuring out really how to um, solve problems with code, which I think is a goal everyone wants to have, right? Is um, I have this thing and I want to be able to do this thing more than once, or this thing takes me a long time to do if I got to cut and paste it. Um, you know, and you want to start figuring those things out. And I'm finally to a point now where I, it still takes me a little while, but I can solve most things with code, yeah. um, which is an amazing place to be. Uh, but it did probably take me longer than it, it, most people or should have. But everyone struggles with different things in this business. I wonder if like classes, because I mean, I've heard, you know, I'm, I don't have a traditional background, so I taught myself. I mean, I wonder if like, I don't have we ever asked anybody, Seth, if like, they learn programming from books, like their own, doing their own thing, or if they learned it in class. Because I feel like in class, you don't, you just, you just go. I would, I would imagine you just go through it real quick, and it's not like you could spend six months really kind of delving in, doing some hard things with. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, West Point's all about the Thayer method, and the Thayer method is essentially you teach yourself, and your instructor is there to ask questions of. Oh, which is, um, I don't know, it has its pros and its cons. Um, you know, but I I didn't teach myself very well at the time uh, how to code. So it's like kind of like uh, there's some things in math that I'm just not really good at, and I, yeah. I muddled through them in school. But um, I wouldn't say that I know them. I feel like you get better at learning things the 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 more you try to learn things, right? Yeah. So not necessarily the older you get, but the more experience you get. Well, eventually it became fun, right? Like like the tool we wrote or just writing things to like break into stuff. 
uh, is both one a necessity and two fun where, you know, your college class where you're doing some database stuff is, you know, I, I didn't put that in the fun category. Uh, I'd actually love to like, probably go do it again. I'd probably smash that class, but yeah, um, you probably yeah, would. Yeah. At the time, it's hard to really recognize what it is that's going to be useful out of it, right? Yeah, it's just going so fast, and you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, that wasn't what I wanted to do yet. Like those, those beginning programming classes, because I had a like a computer engineering. Uh, everyone there takes an engineering track, and so mine was computer science. So like, I wasn't even in like into computers, and that was just I was a freshman, and I was stuck taking it with everybody else. I just had to take it, um, and so probably you know, it was okay. I've always wanted to ask you outside of computer security, like what are some of the big life or anything that you think are like some of the most valuable things from West Point, having never gone to West Point or oh. anybody else from West Point that I know of? Oh, man, that's a good one. See, you guys should have sent me questions. I could have prepared a little no, better. No, we like to do it on the on oh, the spot. On the spot, bad the answers. Um, things that I learned from there. So their big thing there is they give you more things to do than you have time to do it. Sure. And so you do learn what's important or what can I put off until tomorrow, right? So uh, that does carry over into the military, especially if you're an army officer or you're an officer or something where you've got all these competing requirements. Um, but yeah, definitely the, <clears throat> I can say, okay, I got 10 things to do. Which one is due today? Which one is due tomorrow? And I can mentally shuffle those and put them in an order. Uh, and it, I don't stress over it. It's That's just a good life skill to have. It is an excellent life skill. Um, it took me a while to back off, though, because we were always so busy that I felt like I had to be busy all the time. And I think a lot of us suffer from that of like, I got 10 million projects going on or I got 10 million hobbies or 10 million pieces of code working or whatever. Uh, and I have been actively trying to, like, scale that back because it can you can stress yourself out, your stress out, stress, yeah, stress yourself, your stress yourself out um, with um, too much stuff. And then you have to realize it's just extra. You don't have to do it. Once I started realizing in categories and putting things in the, do I have to do it or do I want to do it? Or is it just kind of for fun? Right. You know, you can order those things a lot better. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit on a key thing. Like everybody we talk to on this podcast, they, they kind of do have like so many things going on. And I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I do feel like it's probably a pretty prevalent thing in this industry to sort of, to, to feel like you need to have that many things going on or you need to be involved in that many projects or say yes to so many things or maybe that opportunity is not going to come up. You know, someone asks you to do a blog article or come on a, hang, on a podcast. <laughs> someone asks you to be on a podcast. Yeah, you yeah. got to go to their house to do it. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, there's that, that balance of, you know, building your persona and being in the public eye, which, you know, leads to better, more jobs and opportunities and things, right? Um, but you do need to learn some some balance. When I mentor people, it's all about, yeah, you should smash it at the beginning and get to where you can taper it off and just do the things that you want to do or the things you, yeah, the things you want to do in the end is your goal, right? Um, but it is, I mean, InfoSec is a game and you do need to, um, you know, get yourself out there in a positive way. And there's a, you know, lots of things you can do to do that, man. People you, should. You've talked to me. I mean, well, you've. Not, I mean, you've talked to several people publicly, like or at least in groups that you know, groups that we've been in where mentorship comes up, and you start telling talking about your experience. And I know that, like, you, you touched on one of those things. And by the way, we get we get people. One of the things is we're trying to help people that don't 
necessary and figure out where they need to go. Mm -hmm. And so you touched on one of those things, which is, you know, basically like you need to get yourself out there, which we've talked about being like blog posts or open source code or anything like that. Yeah. I'd say, and I've put this answer on Quora and other things, you know, um, blog, if that's your thing, um, you, you can use Medium now if you don't want to like run your own WordPress or everyone seems to be on Medium everyone sites, which is yeah. totally fine. Uh, you know, just getting that information out there, uh, your GitHub repo, especially since you can pen repositories, you know, those should be your, your code, right? And then uh, contributing to open source uh, stuff that helps. And then bug bounty, um, you know, your hacker one rank, your Synac rank, your um, bug crowd rank, you know, yeah. that carries weight for, especially in, at least in InfoSec, right? Um, you know, if someone's like top 50 in yeah, one of yeah. these programs, I'm going to know they at least have some skills, right? Oh, yeah. Right? They, they, they're, they're good enough to get paid. They're move, good enough to move up in rank. Um, and those are, and is someone going to come in doing that? No, but you work your way up, right? I mean, InfoSec is a toolbox, right? Like, yeah. every week you're on a job or every book you crack open or every tutorial you read, you're like, oh, I'm learning how this wrench works. And ideally, you have a really good handle of, like, when to use this wrench and what for. And cool. You don't use it every week. You put it in your box. You, like, hopefully put it, like, on your personal wiki so you – Oh, whenever I got to go after Node.js or whatever, I need to know this, right? You document that. The tools are in my box. Uh, the the documentation's like probably in your personal wiki or your personal, you know, Google Doc or however you keep notes. And then when that opportunity comes back around for a bug bounty or a pen test job, like you grab, dig in the toolbox, find the tool, and go read how to do it again, and go to town and. It's iterative, right? Like you, no one comes in knowing everything. You just build it over time, and then you forget it over time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, that's exactly you, you why. relearn. You yeah. relearn. That's why I have a wiki. After like the third time, I was like, man, I know I did this. I started just writing it down because I knew if I wrote did enough good enough job taking notes that I would be able to refresh myself later. That has saved my ass more times than I can count. That's a damn good reason to blog. That's a damn yeah. good reason. Yeah. So I have the one. I have the kernel on this blog that doesn't get updated too much. Um, when I started working for the same person every week, it became really difficult to talk about the things I used to pwn somebody that week, yeah. right? Yeah. When, when you're a consultant, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, I totally use this exploit, and no one knows who it's for. But if you're like, totally use this exploit today, they're like, oh, so, you know, day job is vulnerable to that. Cool. That's awesome to know. Thanks, bro. Now and you're like, oh, that's a little above the risk level, right? Um, so it became difficult to find things to blog about. Um but yeah, I also have a personal one that has like my personal notes and just cause I just, you know, I see things uh, so infrequently, like did all that Oracle work, did all that cold fusion work. And that was all because we had a string of jobs that were cold fusion jobs and I had to figure it out. Oh um, yeah. You wrote Metasploit modules for that, where you're basically yeah. figuring out like vulnerable versions of cold fusion mm -hmm. and exploiting it. Same with Oracle. Yeah. And then I didn't see it again for years. And so everyone's like, Oh don't you need to go after Oracle? I was like, man, I haven't been after an Oracle box in four years. I don't even know. Like, we're, I go Google, and then my stuff comes up. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should have remembered that. Or I think Rob was trolling me the other day about that. That's, that, that's full circle, right? You know, yeah. oh, I'm learning from myself. Yeah, you're like, oh, I'm glad I wrote that down. <laughs> I'm glad someone did. I remember a blog post about this. Oh, that was mine. That's right, yeah. yeah. Which, you know, makes you the expert. If you're like the top Google results, you're now the expert. So bring on the movie checks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So on this, the the 
on the mentor mentee, like what I want to know is what makes a good men- mentee, I guess, is that the right word mentee and what makes a bad one? Because okay. I know you've had experiences with both. Yeah, I've had both. Um, actually, like we had, there was a Twitter exchange where I said, yeah, I mean, I'm glad to help you. I'd be glad to people out, help people out, but most people don't actually want to do work. Right. Um, and I sound like an old person on this, but, um, you know, I look at being a mentor as not directing you what to do, but to be there to answer questions and to say, well, this is what happened to me or just to give guidance or advice or to turn, you know, I want, I want to facilitate that person to grow themselves. Right. I can't dictate, um, you know, if you go learn these 10 technologies, you're going to be awesome. I don't know. Like it's, it's where you live dependent. It's your attitude dependent. It's a million, there's a million factors that go into that. So what I'd say is a good mentee are the ones that are willing to do work and to listen. Right. I had one that was like, Hey man, uh, I think you should read this book. And it was the red team book by uh, Zinko. Right. And so it's not like a hardcore, like uh, shells all day, all, all day long book, but it talks about red teaming as a bigger concept of like, what is red teaming? And the guy actually went and did it, right? So like, ah, like, you know, he did it. And then um, this is the guy that I gave. Uh, it's, it's Hayden Johnson. It's who we did the uh, the sector talk with. Like, um, you know, he was willing to put in work and he listened and, you know, thought about what I would say. And not that he did everything I said, but would think about it and do some stuff and didn't just want to be told what to do. Right. And I say that's the probably the real differentiator is um, – Wants to learn, will ask questions. You know, I usually ask someone, well, what do you want to know? Right. right. And most of them are like, I don't know. I was like, well, then you're not ready for me to mentor you. Um, you know, go pay for someone, go take some classes, and they'll tell you what you need to know to pass your class. Um, but if you want, you know, I can explain to you how I did it, but I think everyone, like we were just talking about, everyone in InfoSec has their own origin story yeah. and their own way of growing up. And, you know, the stuff Seth was talking about on Twitter, like, there's no one path to it, right? You know, depending on who your manager or boss is or your peers, you may think you need to slave away and at help desk. And, you know, if you have those skills, great. Are they required to do, they're definitely not required to do AppSec, mm-hmm. right? Maybe if you want to do NetSec, they're useful, but um, I wouldn't say that there's anything required to do. So yeah, do work, listen, ask questions. Again, it's not a- Sounds kind of hard. <laughs> It, you know, it's and it's not a, it's not an instant gratification, which I think uh, I'm certainly guilty of wanting instant gratification of things too. But you know, building a career, you don't do that in a year, yeah. right? And some people get popular really quick, but I don't know if they were um, maybe super talented before. But most people just put in the work, grinding it out, learning things. Um, and then maybe they get popular if that means anything in InfoSec. Like, like Val Smith says, you're a famous boil, bowler. Like, like I've broken into a lot of shit, and my neighbor's like, can you help me with my Wi-Fi? I'm like, yes, bro. I mean, hey, my, can, you, can you rebuild my kid's laptop? Sure, man, why not? You know, it's like, never mind. Like, you know, we've broken into these amazing companies, all kinds of verticals, or just like really fucked up some web apps or whatever. Yeah. And your neighbor's like, Oh man, my router is not working. Yeah. Yeah. Reboot. <laughs> Those are the calls that you get. Yeah. 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 Who, who, that was a couple of years ago. I can't remember if it was Def Con or black hat. Somebody actually did analysis on the security space, specifically what you're talking about. Like, Oh, you've got these like security rock stars that, you know, Oh, you know what, you know, 
tens of thousands of people follow them on Twitter. Yeah, no one cares, right? Yeah. No one really cares. You know, the only people that are that popular that are in information security that are out from the outside are like, are the jailbreak guys, right? And that's only, uh, yeah. yeah, that's only because they're actually releasing something that regular people use to get around what Apple's forcing them to do, right? But yeah, but in general, no, no, no one cares, right? They just know you as the hacker guy down the street who can fix their Wi-Fi. Yeah, I mean, they'll come ask you what do you think about the you know breach of the week or whatever, and you're just like, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> it's hard, you know. If you got ten thousand hosts on the network, can you miss one? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally happens. I mean, if you got, you know if you got everyone's stuff, maybe you should work a little harder at that. But I understand how those things happen. Yeah, well, we've seen it over and over, right? I mean, yeah, it's the same thing. Like, and it goes back to instant gratification and like in building a secure network is work, right? It is. It's work. It's building a secure web app is work. Yeah. Um, I have seen very few companies i've been doing this outside of the army for about 10 years now a little over 10 years and you know i'd say the like the number of networks that were like really good probably five to ten at the most the people that were like doing vlans and doing them correctly did egress right that's pretty terrible Patch stuff yeah. right and this is all the stuff that like everyone's like ad nauseum talking about and it's boring it's absolutely boring it's not sexy at all but you know if you actually have segmentation between like i don't know your servers and your workstations or your servers and your cameras and things like that right you know where your admin admin on your camera doesn't let me talk to your you know critical server and totally have seen that in my career <laughs> oh. um sure everybody has um that's but if I just don't want to do it. It's really hard work. It's really hard. Yeah. And it's not something that a consultant can do for you because there's all those nuances of how you run your own network or your own stack. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, I always, uh, for new people, I always recommend um, it be similar to what you're talking about with building your own network. And it's always, you know, try to build a web app, just something basic. Yeah. Just something that does anything, a couple pages, doesn't matter. But, you know, go through the process of trying to do that and then add a little bit more. And it's the same with the network. Like, you need to know the, the networking ins and outs, and that takes work. Like, yeah. it takes work to learn it. It takes work once you understand it to, to, to do it securely. So, yeah. Do the work, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, the, that's the goal. It's, I mean you're in this job because you like to, to go from I don't know how to do this to I know how to completely fuck this thing up. No, I'm in it for the cyber checks, man. <laughs> I'm in it for the, like, I didn't know how to do that, and now I can make this thing do uh, stuff that no one else thought it could do, right? Yeah. That's exciting, right? That's what I love about hacking is I don't know how I'm getting to this point, and I'm way over here, but there's a way there. I know it. Yeah. Just figuring it out. And can I do it in the – you know, if you're a consultant, you got four days to do it, uh, uh, right? Yeah. Maybe. If you're internal red, you might have weeks to months, and that's a lot more fun, right? So then the the the, the distance gets further and further, and the more hops in between, and more things to figure out. So I love I love that part. Yeah, that's that's that I agree totally. Have that same feeling, but also that feeling when like um, you get something to pop. That's, oh yeah. I mean, if you've never had that feeling, it's so 
it's addictive and it's something you can kind of chase and yeah yeah find, finding a good bug or a, you know a good hole or whatever you whatever like yeah finding a good way in like that's always a good feeling but then there's that like we've talked about before that whole like slope of depression yeah <laughs> the depression that is the assessment you are working on yeah Vinny lose like diagram of oh man i should like go work at mcdonald's oh oh, oh what that's weird oh i got it right yeah, yeah. Um, i mean that's totally real it happens like every ctf you do every pen test you do you're like man like i should probably hang this up yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then eventually like, oh yeah finally oh, i'm awesome i'm awesome i'm back yeah. i'm not never complete <laughs> shit anymore don't gotta hang the candle up anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that never goes away. For those who don't know, that never goes away. Yeah, no, I mean, God so, so, so basically, what you're saying is we're just like uh, drug addicts and we're chasing the high, right? Yeah. yeah, God forbid you take a break for like two years and do defense and then start trying to do red again, and you'll be like shaking the cobwebs off and stuff. You're like, man, this hurts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so and you've done. So yeah, actually, so for those that aren't familiar, like purple teaming, because we've talked about, so we've talked about on this podcast, the concept of blue team being defense, red team being offense, but you've done a whole talk. Is that what Chris, Chris Nickerson on the purple teaming? Yeah, I've given a okay. couple talks. So Chris Nickerson and I give the like adversarial simulation talk. We've given two versions of that. Uh, and I gave one at RuxCon, it's probably close to three years ago now, on like my purple teaming experiences when I was at Facebook. And purple teaming, like, can you give people like a kind of a, a brief overview of what purple teaming means? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, there's like a million definitions. I wish I had the, um, I think there's a, the post about meta has a good, um, Raphael Mudge has a really good uh, definition of it. And it's really just, you know, merging offense and defense to where you do some offensey stuff to elicit responses for uh, the blue team to have to do things, right? So you have this collaborative environment um, elicit an action by the blue team. Um, I want to say it's on the medium post for that. It's on the Ubers thing. Ubers? Okay. Uber medium security. Like you do insect security blog. Should come up. Insect engineering security. Oh, engine. We're just totally live. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna figure it out. Or I'll let you just type it in. Here, you figure it out. All right. Oh man. <laughs> We're not only gonna ask you questions on the fly, the but then we're gonna have you look it up. Uh, now I'm now well, while you're here, Chris, can you just go ahead and take a look at this network? Yeah. Can you just post this by yourself? <laughs> We're going to go have a couple drinks. And... Yeah, fix my router while you're at it. It's not going so well. Yeah. Bring it on over, man. I'll fix it. Uh, yeah. Oh, I can't see, man. Oh, well, okay. Maybe uh, we just put in the show notes. I'm just, yeah, I'll just put it in the show notes. Um Ask me another question while I'm trying to Google here. Somebody's asking us about chat. Chat. Yeah, I guess there's an issue with chat. And chat's not working. It's no, it's something with like you need to have, I think, a YouTube. I don't know. I don't know the rule. Maybe chat live, maybe. There we go. Cool. Yeah, I mean, if people have questions, they can DM us too. On Twitter, yeah, just 
It's open, so you can just DM us or send us an email at absoluteappsec at gmail.com. We're watching that inbox, so it's absoluteappsec at gmail.com. Okay. I'll respond to Sean there, too. Okay. okay. All right, so I have the answer finally. So this is what uh, Raphael Mudge's thing is from. Uh, so I'd say that advers- it's, this is really an adversarial simulation, and uh, we could get into the, like, purple teaming versus adversarial, adversarial simulation. It's probably not fun um but i'll just read it says i said that it differs from red teaming and that adversarial simulation is typically a cooperative activity between the simulation runners and the simulation recipients right the end goal is we're we're validating defensive telemetry so ideally your blue teams have all these blinky boxes they have edr products and splunk and all these other things you know a lot of times people if they don't get an email they just assume everything is fine so the idea is we, we do some stuff to elicit those emails or to elicit those pages or elicit uh, the tickets to show up in the ticketing system. Um, and that is they then have to go through their response playbooks and plans, right? So uh, then the, the, I think the key thing there being cooperative, where red teaming is I'm doing everything I can to get to whatever the objective is, and I'm doing everything I can not to get caught. Right. Yeah. So that's the that's being the big difference between like purple team and adversarial simulation and then red teaming is I absolutely don't want to get caught on a red team and I'm using, you know, social, physical and electronic and the blend of those and how access in one facilitates access to another uh, to, to reach the objective where, again, adversarial stem, I want you to catch me. That's the whole point. And if I if I don't get caught along the way. Uh, I'm going to do something at the end to do so that you've got to see something and then work backwards. Okay. So this is, well, so that brings up a few good points, but one of them is having, just having a plan in general. Like, yeah, have you ever had someone ask you, Hey, what's your 30, 60, 90 day plan? I don't know if you ever had anyone ask you that. I have not in a long time. (laughs) Well, part of that. Yeah. Not in a long time. (laughs) Not die. (laughs) (laughs) Um, pay my bills. Yeah. <laughs> That's my 30 day plan every month. 30 day plan. Pay my bills. Yeah, work. Well, I have, and I don't know if anybody else has, but, uh, had that question, but, um, that's always part of it for me is the whole, like just having a, an incident response plan period. Yeah. Like a way to communicate, you know, cause these are the, the, the simple things that people don't think about. It's like, well, you can tell us more, but I mean, I know like communi- communication channels, that's one, uh, figuring out how to communicate, who to contact, having an up-to-date list of who to contact. Uh, yeah. Oh, man, I'm really bad at all that. I mean, SANS has a number of classes on that. Oh, do they? And if, if someone has got tapped to build a incident response program, they should go take the SANS class, and mm-hmm. they cover that in glorious, expensive detail, and it's really good. Expensive detail, yeah. Um, <laughs> It's good. I mean, I love SANS training and I love when I have employers that will allow me to take it. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I can definitely like uh, try to link you up with somebody that could be on the show to help more about that. Uh, <laughs> response. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a new thing for me with the, you know, with this kind of purple thing, you know, I went from just smashing things every week to doing the blue purple thing. And uh, yeah, yeah, but I don't even mean anything advanced. I'm saying like literally just like, are we using Google Docs to track the incident and um, make notes? Are those we, are good things to to, yeah. to know before you have an incident, for sure. Yeah, because uh, people don't seem to prepare too well for that. And these days, it seems like anybody can get popped, you know, accidentally committing code 
or AWS keys. Happens. Wait, wait, wait. Does that happen? No. Never. Never. Is it total only on pastebin? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, only on pastebin. And no one monitors pastebin, so that's fine. It's good. It's um, safe. Yeah. So, like, how has that transition been? Because, like, I really, you know, I, coming from the consulting side right now, right where I'm at, I don't see a lot of purple, like, purple teaming necessarily going on, right? Most of what people still ask me is definitely from a like a from an application assessment or application attack perspective mm -hmm. is application red teaming. Even from a source code review perspective, right? There's very little. Hey, can we see what's going on? So, how has that transition happened for you and where you're currently at? And are you seeing more people and more interest in it? Oh, that's a good question. So. Um... Obviously, working for a single company now, so I can't speak too much for um, how that's looking commercially. Like, I guess that would be like a good Dave Kennedy question or Chris Nickerson question, yeah, to kind of get an idea of how frequently they're seeing people ask for that. I would say that, um, like, thinking back on my consulting days, I think it's super difficult to to do that and as a, as like a commercial vendor, right. Or as like a one week pen test. So you could have, uh, I mean, we, we ran some, some jobs before purple teaming was a thing where we just had like another person there with the blue team to kind of be like, okay, they're, you know, chatting with me and we're doing the attacks. So we're like, okay, I'm now on this box. And they're kind of like with the socks saying, Oh, do you see any of this? And they're like, no, I had no alerts. Um, and I think that was like kind of the beginning of that. Um, but to really, I think, you know, to do well at making sure people are doing the response plan, if you're doing that like as a, as a vendor, you'd almost have to happen into luck into doing something that would get caught at the appropriate time. Right. right. A lot of, a lot of the simulation is getting to a point where you've actually done some you know damage or had some access before you get caught. Uh, an internal team understands that a lot better. Or you could even suppress alerts if you needed to in order to get to a point where you've uh, not doing the initial access, but you've maybe, you know, uh, have persistence on a few different hosts. You've now pivoted off of those and you're working into like attacking the network or looking into other things where, I mean, a good, a good blue team may catch you at the fish stage and shut you down and shut you down and shut you down. And now your week's up where, you know, if you're internal, you can just skip some of that if you need to. It's yeah. really maturity of your organization, right? Like a lot of times, you know, we, most places are getting fished all day long every day. And anybody that's responding to that stuff, know that, know that people install things and click things. And so if you're an internal team, you can say, cool, you know, as frequently as the org wants us to, we'll, we'll demonstrate that we can get people to open an email and do something. Let's just assume that we can get that to happen and just start from the next stage. Cause honestly, the fishing piece isn't that interesting. It's been done to death. Yeah. Um, pivoting off of a Mac or pivoting off of these boxes and, you know, and, you know, working against EDR products or application whitelisting is a far more interesting problem. Right. So like let's start here. That's more interesting. It's more interesting for me. It's more interesting. I think for the blue team, they responded to yet another fish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So can it be done? I think it can be done. I think it's difficult. You have to have a really good relationship with your, uh, with a customer uh, that's probably something I think that you would build over time and not something you could come in first first engagement with them. But like, hey, you've done a few red teams. 
Um, you have some trust and some rapport. Now we're willing to let you know kind of like some of our signatures and whether you've accumulated that from getting caught on the other engagements or they just told you, um, you know, you know, maybe they just did a whole bunch of like, we think we can catch all things PowerShell. Cool. Let's make sure we're using like a PowerShell implant or maybe we're not using a power. So whatever they want, right. To test like, cool. Like we think we can catch all, all forms of lateral movement. All right, cool. Like, let me try the craziest thing I can think of and see if I get caught. It's a lot easier to do internally because you have time and it's not a big deal uh, yeah. to your reputation. If you get caught, it's, it's a, it's a win. Yeah, your internal team doing right. it. You know, if you're if you're a vendor and you get caught, you're in that like, oh well, maybe we shouldn't have paid you all this money to do this zone. It can get dicey. Being a vendor is a hard, hard life. It's rough. Yeah, and to answer the other part of the question of like why I decided to do it, uh, Haroon Mir has done uh, the from thanks. He's done a few talks on like that transition and how that transition is more interesting and. Um, I'd have to, I could go find the talk later and, and post it somewhere, but uh, that's he is like one of the people that has really oh I'm supposed to be in the podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, he's one of the people that really gets it and has has gotten it before the general public has gotten it, uh, and he's talked about it. He's an amazing person. He um, and he's like one of the people that I absolutely watch all his talks. If he has something to say, people should listen. What's his Twitter handle, <clears throat> uh, man? Put me on the spot. Well, yeah, you should be able right. to find it. I'll be able to find it. Uh, yeah, he's he's amazing, um, <clears throat> and yeah, he he talks a lot about using the good and helping helping those people out. Um, it's good, and I, I've enjoyed it. Um, that merging of the two is far more interesting. Yeah, it seems to be progressing and pushing things further along in an organization to actually secure things rather than just, you know, the, 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 the one-off, you know, red team activity that says, all right, we made it in. This is the path that we did it. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily close things out or close that loop. So right. it's definitely interesting. We do, we do have a, a Ken Toller on YouTube uh, just uh, asked a couple of questions. So let me, let me ask it here. First of all, uh, is the purple team grape flavored? Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> Tastes like Kool-Aid, man. Oh, yeah. yeah there you go. Kool-Aid. Yep, yep, good. The other one is, is the purple team something you go for outright, or do you think you need a budget for an internal red before you can even approach the concept of purple? Uh, that's, man, that's a great question. And so um, we, I'll tell you, I can from my experience, right, so at Uber, we don't have a red team yet we do the purple ops as a member of the blue team. And so, okay. um, and I think we were just talking about this at lunch. I think uh, a lot of places fail real hard in this because it, it becomes too adversarial between the blue team and the red team. Mm -hmm. And we've had tremendous success with this, these activities, I'll just call them purple teaming, uh, being either closely aligned or with the blue team. Like, mad success. And then I talk to other people where, you know, someone has a lot of ego and a lot of political clout on the line of, you know, catching the red team. I, you know, we're on the same team. There is no adversarial piece to that, which is, has made success far more easier. 
Um, and so, so someone who doesn't have budget for a, a full blown, you know, five, 10 person red team can get probably one or two people and add them to their blue team who are, you know, offensive security engineers or whatever you want to call them and uh, go from there. I mean, that's how we've been doing it. And it's, I've, I've had far more success than some of these people that have joined full on corporate teams. Oh. It's all maturity and it's all, you know, the, those two managers, the blue team manager and the red team manager, I mean, they absolutely have to have a really good relationship or it's just going to get dicey and uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, those, uh, they're, they're definitely competing roles, right? Yeah. In the end though, you know, we're, uh, we, we, our, our paycheck is signed by the same person yep. and, you know, especially if you work for like a Silicon Valley company, you know, my net worth is tied into this company being yeah. secure and doing well. And I'm, you know, we should be motivated at the same end result. Uh, but sometimes I think people lose sight of that and it's a, Oh, you, you beat me or you caught me. Ego is a dangerous, ego is a dangerous thing. Yeah. yeah. It's super dangerous when the end, when in the end, you know, we just, I just don't want my company to get hacked. So even yeah. if you're public, you definitely don't want your public. Your no. company, man, share price goes down for a week or two. Right. And, and then it goes back up, but you know, it, it affects a lot of things. And so, you know, it shouldn't be, an, an, it's the us versus them is company versus everyone outside the company. The us versus them should never be one group against another group inside the company, unless it's a friendly competition. Okay. Yeah. Um, you, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. The, the, I think you're about to ask the other question. Oh yeah. Yeah. The last one was um, for building rapport with a pen test consultant. How do you face the management recommendation for compliance from compliance auditors to change up vendors? Do you think that's a, a, so I think he's asking whether or not like changing up a vendor is really a, a useful thing when you are dealing with pen, pen test provider. I think you can get around that by you should have your adversarial simulation or purple teaming fall into training. And you shouldn't have the same requirements that you would to switch vendors. Uh, you probably don't have that train uh, uh, switching vendors for a training requirement. So call it training events, and there you go. <laughs> there you go, Ken. Yeah, Toller. Um, There's another Ken that asked yeah, the question. Yeah, clarity. Ken that asked the question. Yeah, I got I mean, that. I mean, otherwise you got to get you know waivers or whatever. But <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it's a challenge. Say on that is the. Uh, like the scope perspective, right? If I'm dealing with one pen test firm, if I'm changing the scope up year after year, I'm getting them to do different things. It's probably it's probably an easier discussion point, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if you wanna do, yeah, if you're trying to like get something besides one path to the thing, like you just need someone that is experienced and has you know, attacked you a few times and has grown with you as a vendor and as you as a client. Um, LRs, we had some amazing clients that had grown over the years and they were extremely hard to break into. And so I did learn that you can do, you can have these relationships with clients, you can grow them and build them to where they become very difficult places to break into. Uh, it can be done. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that, that institute, I'll call it institutional knowledge that you would have as an outside consultant is super useful to just understanding their environment. I mean, it's, it, it's tremendously difficult to understand all the intricacies of, of someone's environment in a week or two. You yeah. know, that takes a long time. I mean, 
anybody that's done, been on an internal team knows it takes months to understand how everything works. You start a new job somewhere, it's like you're, you're still lost for a really long time of how all the magic happens. You know, if you're a global company, you know, how you, you just really need that, that time with the, either your vendor or your internal team. Those are two those are pretty, pretty good questions. Um, Seth, I did want to mention we have another question from via email from Sean. Okay. So Sean's question was, uh, Sean Jackson's question was, uh, so this is related to earlier. So it's, it's very hard when uh, they're in the incident and I'm the first InfoSec Pro hired. Uh, there's a lot of resistance. And uh, can you tell us how to convert the uninitiated to our cause. So I think the question, if I had to summarize, was basically like, I'm imagine you're the first security person and you need to get people to uh, you know get on board with what you're you're doing. I think that's the question. Like how would you how would you being the first security person go and, and get like Is he talking like while an incident's going on or just in general? I mean, tabletops and things like that are how you start to develop that internal coordination. And I mean, I don't think in the incidents when you really want to start doing that. I mean, I think we can start there and say, pre take that out of the picture. Okay. Let's say you need to basically establish relationships within, uh, like, with throughout the company, all yeah, things yeah, relevant yeah. where you need to keep, like, sales from clicking on links or, you, right. know, you know what I mean? Like, those different. So, you know, let's. Let's put you in the role of, I guess, a CISO almost. Yeah, it's a hard question. That's, a, that's, that's the role you want. I can tell from your. <laughs> oh, every first every CISO I've asked if I should be a CISO said, "Don't do it." <laughs> but I'm like, that's what I'm supposed to do next. I'm confused. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I still don't. Yeah. I still know what to do. Um, man, that is uh, such a complex question. I think. Um, Yeah, I mean, I would. I guess I'm trying to just process. Like, you definitely need to align with the person that created that job description and hired you, right? Yeah. So someone somewhere in that organization realized the need, created, went through HR and created the <laughs> job description. I would start with that person, right? And befriend. I'm sure their friends is probably their manager. Um, you know, that is the person that I think can help you with the political capital and clout in the org. I think the other thing is just running, running tabletops where you bring in IT, you're bringing in the router guys, you're bringing in the web guys. <clears throat> and you like, what's that Twitter uh, page where it's like, um, Oh, the tabletop. So yeah. It is, it's like, I forget what it's called, but it's like tabletop scenario. There's like some like horrible tabletop scenarios. Like oh, really, yeah. hard, really, really <laughs> hard ones. Start there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, grab an easy ish one, right? And just talk, get those people in a room and talk through that. And then, you know, I think once you've done a few of those, because then you'll start to say, oh, well, do we even have an IR policy? Yes, no. Okay, cool. Let's bring it up. Let's look at it. Does it make sense? Are we actually going to have an incident, right? Um, and then start fixing that stuff. There's a lot of work to do with just having policy and knowing who to call. Um, Doing that, and then, yeah, that's that, that's not the sexy part of infosec, right? Absolutely not. It's horrible. It's the hard part that no one wants to do, but you can tell you you know when you walk into an organization whether or not they've done that, right? Just based yeah. on how they handle an incident. 
Yeah, I can tell you it's a lot more fun to plan. Right? And it's like already there. You just copy the template and you start working the tasks. Far better experience in the like looking at each other. What do we do now? Like, who do we call up? having your like outside comm so you can actually work an incident in the event like the whole domain is owned? After that's happened, like out of use, right? Um, but the, yeah. the tabletops are the time to do that. And then you can, you know, if you have the money, you either do it, uh, you hire a vendor to do something very tailored for you, very specific. Like you send the fish, I got someone that's going to click on it. You guys, you know, stay in Windows land, stay in Mac land, whatever it is you, you want to test. And just, you know, if, if, if I was to, so I'd actually, I'd build, I would hire some vendors and make sure that we caught them, right? These need to be wins, hard wins, right? Yeah. To show that the process works and to let people stressful, but not too stressful environment to get that camaraderie going, right? Um, We've, I mean, Seth and I have both had people come in new and been like, do in our consulting day, well, I guess Seth still does consulting, but um, basically say, find a bad shit and then we're going to use that as like awareness for our developers. I don't know if you've ever been put in that position where they're like, doing it, do your, do your test and really mess us up. Cause we want to have some sort of, I don't know if it's helpful. I, I don't know on the other end if that's helpful, but I, I have been asked to do that. I mean, not on the like developer side, but I've definitely been front loaded some knowledge by people that wanted to get things fixed. And for whatever reason, People don't want to listen to the people that are there every day working with the stuff. They need some stranger that's been there for four days to be like totally messed up. You know, you should totally listen to John over there who's been isn't that weird stressing that. Yeah, it's it blows my mind that uh, some people just don't yeah. want to listen to that. I mean, tell you what, man, someone's been at your company for a few years. They're loyal. They want you to do well. You should probably listen to them. You should listen to them far more than consultant guy who really just wants to like have another engagement next year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, if someone's been there for a long time, they care. And I've met, I haven't met very many people that don't care about the security where they work. And I generally, we all care a lot and we're all very loyal. So like we're raising those issues, not to be assholes, but to like fix them. Yeah. And you know, that's why some people in the, well, a lot, I'm saying some people, there's a good number of folks that have been talking about over the last few years. Well, maybe a lot, even longer in security where they're like, you know, there's a lot of kind of burnout and, and whatnot. And, and like, it's not burnout because like you're working too much it's because nobody's fucking listening. And you're like, yeah, what the hell, what am I doing? And the funny thing is a lot of those people that are on defense, they're the ones, they have been consultants before. They've had yeah. the shiny little badge and, you know, <laughs> tag, and they've had the, the business card. And they. So what's the difference? They care more. Yeah, I think I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Well, and at some point, they like the, the company hired them on because they realized they wanted that expertise and then forgot that they should really pay attention to what they're saying. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I learned going from external to internal uh, was um, – Understanding the process of things that get fixed, and I've I've told the story before, but not on this podcast, so I'll tell it again. Was um, like my first big pen test at Facebook. I found some stuff, and I was like, "Hey, this is jacked up. Y'all should go fix that." My manager was like, mm -mm, "Man, how do they fix it?" Yeah, and I was like, 
No idea. I've never actually had to do that, right? (laughs) I I got shoved right out of my comfort zone, way over there. Uh, And so, like, I had to install the software the way we were using it, Um, see see options. It was like an authentication issue. So see different options for uh, doing authentication and then figure out which way worked best for us and our use cases. It's a weird place to be in, yeah. I was, I mean – blown away right like yeah. I, I never no one ever asked right i always just said nope you're you're hosed later see you in a year hope you fix it <clears throat> and then i got to see like you know being on an internal blue team like how long it takes to fix something and like people it's not that they don't care they're just busy yeah and i've just piled more stuff on their plate and that wasn't planned yeah right and so if you can come to them when i was able to come to them with the this is the problem. I've evaluated the four or five different ways to do this. I think we should do this one. And you can have that conversation with the people that can make those decisions and you make the decision. And then I followed up and like made the tasks for everyone that had vulnerable pieces of software or whatever and followed up and like we fixed a problem. And I was like, holy shit, we fixed a problem. There's now a wiki article on how to set this up. You know, we, we set up the, the vulnerability scanner to find those things so we could identify them in the future. And then when they got showed up, it was easy. You point them to the wiki article and you're like, hey, please fix this. Yeah. Here's how you do it. Super easy. Um, it needed some tweaking as the few people worked on stuff. But, like, most people were like, oh, I didn't even need that. They just shut it off or, you know, the people that were using it fixed it. And um, But I really, really opened my eyes to the – because the burnout comes from me, like, one, you have the same week every week, but then two, you have the same year every year when you yeah. kind of go back to places. Like, you know, I've been back to places and the, you know, the same password still works, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, man, or they didn't get around to patching something. And you're like, man, why? Don't you care? Yeah. And that seems to be like, oh, you just don't care. And then I came to realize it's not that they don't care. It's just they're just busy. That person is probably one person and it should be four. Yeah. And you know, if they have to research the best way to fix your thing you found, it may just not get done if it's not critical enough. Well, yeah, that's just it. Like, you know, we, as consultants, you know, especially when I first got into consulting, you just kind of threw, Oh, this is high severity. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But but you really like, there's no object or there's no like, like quantitative scale that you're using. It's like, Hey, I can do bad things. And uh, like, and that, that, you know, most of uh, you get into those meetings with developers and they push back on that hard, right? Because they know, okay, if you say you can do bad things, that means that I have to do a whole bunch of work to fix it. Mm-hmm. So you need to prove that you can do bad things just so that I can prove to my manager that this is bad enough that we have to, we have to push this feature so I can actually go do it. Right. Right. Yeah, it's difficult to understand impact. It depends on who you're working with in the organization, right? So if it's like audit and compliance that's asked for a penetration test, they may not necessarily care whether or not anything gets fixed. Right. They just need you to show up and do it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They wanted the checkbox. They got their checkbox. They sent the report off to somebody else. He looked at it and said, I don't have time for this and walks away. And then the next year it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, It's a challenge. I mean, it's, I think I mean being a consultant is really difficult because you have to go from zero to understanding something super quick. It's difficult, very very difficult. Um, and then you've got to give advice, and you honestly 
not through no fault of your own, any fault of your own, but like you just don't understand the dynamics of the environment. It can be difficult to give advice and um, give good advice anyway. Yeah, yeah that does. It's really difficult. I don't. I actually don't miss that now that I've seen the other side of that. Of like, I, I think we told the story at, at BrewCon of like I, I we I was on the receiving end of a red team, and I was like, man, did I sound like this on the phone? Man, I was an ass. <laughs> Right? Like, oh, yeah, if you just, like, noticed the weird series of packets leaving the network, you totally would have, yeah. you know, caught me. and was like, bro, you – how? Like, we have terabytes of traffic a day. How would I notice, like, three weird send packets or something, right? Like, I wouldn't do it. stupid. But I, then I realized, like, hey, I totally said some bullshit like that to people, not understanding anything about their environment or what the detection looks like or hardening or any of those things. So it was really eye-opening. Humble, it was humbling yeah. to be like, man, I said that shit. You feel like an a-hole. <laughs> I feel that I was like, man, I can't believe. I was like, I was just like, man, this guy's a, I was just thinking, man, this consultant's an ass. And I was like, wait a minute. I've said similar things. That means they thought I was an ass. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I thought about that for a, for a while. Yeah. And then you think about all those calls you're on where it kind of got like quiet and kind of awkward. And nobody said anything. They're just like, okay. You know? Yeah. It's like, like, what were they thinking? Yeah. They're all looking at each other. Like this guy's like, he doesn't know <laughs> yeah. what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> it got the so now I get to put on. Now I'm in that, now I'm in that room and we're looking at each other. Like, what is this guy talking oh, about? Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't know anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the same. And it's the same. And, you know, the, the, the couple of things you pointed out, like, for us, it's in, in uh, you know, with web apps, we have to get to know the application first. Yeah. We have to know how it, what, like, what's its business purpose? You know, how does it work? Like, where are the roles? Or what are the roles? What do they let you do? You know, what should you not be able to do? All those things that takes time. And it, like you said, you know, it's it, it's easier when you have code for us. But often you, you know, there are definitely a lot of times when you won't have code, and so in those instances. You know, you're, if you say some bullshit like, well, just, uh, I don't know, sanitize your inputs for like a cross-site right. scripting volume, which I think we have a blog or there's an article on your blog about it. But it, the whole the whole thing is like, that's useless. That's <laughs> that's in the context. If you don't know, any, like, you're just putting bullshit out there and hoping it's so, that rambling. But yeah, it's <clears throat> yeah. I, it's just similar. I'm not sure I'm ready to get on an airplane all the time and be a consultant again, but I feel like I would be a much better consultant after having been internal for a bit. Yeah. Cause I think I, I use the word empathy a lot. I have a lot more empathy for these places. I, I hope it would carry over if I had to do that again. But I'm sure I think it would. would. Yeah. I, I think you, you like, I mean, I've like, personally, I found it useful to go back in cause I like, I've done the switch a couple of times and just, Oh yeah, that's right. You know, it's not all about finding the vulnerabilities. It's about fixing and how, how that actually happens is very different from org to org. Yeah, no, I, I think I will someday. Um, not sure when, maybe when the kids are a little older, but yeah. Mm. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's exciting. I mean, yeah, I mean, plus, you know, just life is you get older and life has changed. Right. And you know, I was professionally grumpy for a really long time, which really affected me later. Yeah. So now I'm trying to be professionally happy yeah. and it's going, things are going a lot better once I decided made the choice to be happy as much as possible instead of just being grumpy as much as possible. 
Well, I mean, that goes back to what you were talking about earlier as far as like figuring out what the priority is, right? Learning, hey, this is what I have to do today. This is what I want to do. And this is stuff that's just, yeah, I can do it at some point, but I don't need to do it, right? Being yeah. able to say no and turn something down and actually like make <clears throat> people classify what's important and what's not. Yeah, I think that's that's important for work. It's also important for life and like uh, having happiness at work as well, right? Like when you can pick um, between projects, say, oh, I feel like doing this today. Yeah, yeah, choice always makes a big difference. Feeling like you have a choice is monumental, right? Um, Huge difference, no? Right? I mean, it's yeah. it is a it is night and day different of when you have a choice to do something and when you have to do something. Yeah. Right? Cool. Yeah. Well, like we, I mean, we've been going for a while, but I wanted to, I did want to get into the talk that you guys did just recently, your trip to Brazil and all that, you know, and, and you're like, you know, what was it like a honeymoon for the two of you? Right. <laughs> we had a lot of time together. We had, I was going to say, like, I saw pictures, there was Jesus involved, you know, I, yeah. I don't know. Found, well, found Jesus was, on the trip. <laughs> we did, right? We did, did find we Jesus did find on Jesus. the trip. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you can say that. He was yeah. hidden, and then you found him. The I clouds, found him. Literally, hidden. the clouds parted, and yeah. you found Jesus. So. It's meant, meant to be, I guess. More, more talks. More talks. It'll have to happen. For those that don't understand that reference, we're talking about Christ the Redeemer. We were in Brazil, so we saw Christ the Redeemer. We were at the top. It's covered by clouds. Pardon. Chris, Jesus. About Chris okay. found Jesus. Yeah. I think I put it. It was on Twitter. We're good. It was on Twitter. We're good. We're good. It was okay. on Twitter. Everyone understands, right? Yeah, yeah. No, but, okay, so give it <laughs> Because like the the new tool that tool that you've written is all about AWS and enumeration, right? Basically, um, but or not. Tell me whatever it is, right? But but give me a rundown, just a short like TLDR on what the talk was about, what the tool does, and let, let let's let's dig into that for a little bit. Okay, I mean the talk was totally an excuse to, to have weird owl memes in a, in a deck. I mean that was okay. really the whole goal. Now. Um, I did spend a lot of time finding the right Weird Al gifts. I can tell you that. Yeah, they were good. Um, they were good. I thought they were good. Right? If you have to find the memes to match the points. Yeah, no. Thankfully, it, was, it wasn't too hard. So um, what the tool does is, um, <clears throat> I think a couple of years ago when Ken and I were at RSA, uh, we like gave a screenshot of this AWS interrogate tool that I had sort of written. It was uh, bad Python and kind of did kind of work, kind of didn't work. The idea was, you know, answering that, I have this AWS key, what does it do question? <clears throat> and I know when I first started doing this and um, I would find one of these things either like because you fish somebody or in source code or you pop a web app and you can get the config file out of it or whatever. You have this key and you're like, cool. Does it have S3 access? No. Does it have EC2 access? No. I don't know what to do with this key, right? Um, and so the, the tool is to answer that question of what does this key work on? And it does that by, you know, I think the Bodo 3 library has about 135 services. Uh, 100, around 120 of those, you can ask a question to the service without knowing any information, right? So like describe instances for EC2 is an example. If it takes no arguments, um, you may pass arguments, but it doesn't require any. Um, so you can say, hey, can I can I invoke this function on you? And yes, you can or no, you can't. And so the tool just goes through and just brute forces 
uh, all of those and just ask those questions 120 some odd times so you can get an idea of what a key has access to. And so, yeah, we, I, you know, we wanted to turn it from vaporware into whatever software or software, real, yeah. realware. I don't know what you call it. Um, it was vaporware for a long time. Like a couple of friends had crappy versions of it and it kind of worked. Um, and along the way of just doing pen testing and bug bounty, there's like, uh, like the, the IEM pwn module. So if you have a, have an account that has IEM access, you know, <clears throat> how to reset the password, how to delete two fact, how to make a backdoor account, how to make your own secret key and access key to go do what you want. Um, you know, those are useful things to know. And, um, we just put it all together to make it a little easier. So like, yeah, the first thing is enumerate what you have access to. And then, uh, the modules that are written are really based on like, um, what we ran into on like bug bounty and pen testing or what was interesting. But, um, I'd say the IAM one is interesting. There's some pretty interesting like EC2 ones. Like I learned about the, uh, EC2 get console screenshot or get console output and then get screenshot. And it kind of like jiggles the mouse and will like take a picture of the desktop for you. Right. Like that's super handy. Um, the get console output will get the last 64 K of console output, which is super can be super useful. Um, sometimes it's just junk and then sometimes there's creds in it. Seth, do you remember when we would spin up like Bitnami instances from the, the, the marketplace? Yeah. What, what goes in there? First thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, the passwords dropped in there that first. Ah. Yeah, that first 64 you know, K or whatever. Yeah. Oh, no, I, yeah, I, I totally can see that as being useful, especially on a, uh, you know, yeah, bug bounty or, you know, an engagement. Yeah trying to do something cool, right? Yeah, it's super useful if you find one and you're like, oh, and by the way, it has access, access to all these following things, right? Let's like give me more cash. Um, <laughs> well, and what's funny is we talked about it like for, for four years. We share screenshots of the different talks because we talked about it everywhere for four years. We talked about do this, do, don't do that, you know, how, how to prevent stuff. I mean, more than AWS, DevOps. Yeah, all the DevOps docs. DevOps tooling, how to secure configuration, things to be things, things to be on the lookout for. But we would spend, I'd say, in, especially in 2016, 2017, we'd spend a good portion of time talking about AWS and, like, things to set up, how to detect attacks and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but a lot of it pointed towards keep your keys off the Internet. Nobody listened. So that's why we preface it. Four years of talking, yeah. nobody listens. Well, fuck it. Here's a tool that makes it easy to go pwn that stuff. So whatever, we switched, uh, we, we switched modes. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, to make it, I guess to make it less horrible or less evil, um, you know, it does support using like the federated stuff. So you can totally use it for work. Like um, I guarantee you everyone's work environments, people have checked in creds to code and now you could use this yeah. to kind of, Hey, I found this uh, maybe, because of the way things work, you don't have IAM access for your, your company's AWS thing. You can run this tool and say, hey, I found this key. Uh, the impact of this key is it has access to these services and these S3 buckets, right? Yeah. That's super handy, and I wouldn't have been able to do that without IAM access. That means I had to, like, call somebody up or get on chat with someone that could look it up for me. That's never any fun, right? Um, yeah, and the second piece of that is um, just having a repository of useful functions, right? And so... Um, very, you know, occasionally or I don't know, quite frequently, you have to like interact with RDS or, you know, yeah. or DynamoDB or EC2 or whatever. And just, you know, I, honestly, I have to go stack overflow this stuff because I do it so infrequently. Uh, it was just now to just build modules, build functions. And so 
you know, if I need to get a list of all the IPs for all the EC2 instances across all our regions, all the code is there to do that, right? Yeah. All, right all the functions are there. Now you just have to write uh, four or five more lines of code to actually strip out the IP address and you're done instead of having to like, okay, well, what are all the regions that EC2 works in? Okay, I need to loop through those. I need to get instances. I need to parse that out. Blah, blah. I mean, all of it's done. So the idea is over time, people will submit, please submit. Um, and, uh, you know, it can just be a warehouse of like useful functions to do like your, your hardening work or your engineering work. Yeah. And also your pen test work, but you know, just dev work. Yeah. yeah. One thing we know. Right. Like oh, sorry. I mean, cause I, yeah, I like, I do run into AWS keys quite often, right. In the different Git repositories, people invite you into a, uh, you know, a private GitHub repo where they they're storing all their code and, yep. And that stuff shows up more often than they want to admit. So knowing what you could actually get to, just from a baseline perspective, would be super useful. Not necessarily even trying to own or trying to get into other other services. I I, I hope it's useful for you know you found this thing like I definitely for a bug bounty. Here's what it has access to, right? Like that's super useful from the like proof of impact point of view, right? It has access to these following services. And uh, these following buckets or whatever, like that to me, that would go a lot further than I found this key. I don't know what it works on. I just know it works. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, and, and how, was, how was the response down there? Like after you got the tool and, you know, it was in Portuguese, demos. so we don't know. No. It, it was like, <laughs> it was Portuguese, uh, so we have no idea. Yeah. I mean, Giving talks and people seem to like it. Is that? There's not their heads. Yeah, I mean, giving talks in foreign countries is always weird because the cultures are always different. Yep. Um, like in Belgium, we've I've given talks a few times there. They'll just sit there, stone faced at you, and you're like, "Are you into it? Are you not into it? You're gonna call bullshit on it?" And then they'll come up after, like, "Oh, that was amazing." I'm like, "Why didn't you say something while I was yeah. talking?" Crack I thought, like, smile. "I suck." Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I think we had some some people came up after and were like, "Oh, that's awesome." Um, <clears throat> Twitter. Some people are more shy, introverted, so they, yeah, they a lot of people prefer to talk on Twitter. on Twitter. Yeah, um, yeah, it seems okay. I mean, I would love for people to be like, "Hey," um, to create issues and be like, "Hey, um, diffs are better, but issues are fine." And like, "Hey, it'd be cool if it did this," and then you know, Ken and I can write that. Um, there's a you know, we talked a bit in the talk about Daniel Gratz's stuff. Uh, his three blog posts on fucking up AWS are amazing. And anybody that works with AWS should read those uh, a few times because they're crazy. I mean, I mean, I feel like you, you went out of your way to recognize some people whose shoulders were sort of oh, yeah, uh, standing yeah. on for sure. Yeah. Like he, that in the presentation, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's in the deck. Yeah. We listed some prior work like the uh, NCC group scout stuff, the AWS IR stuff. It's all amazing work. Uh, super useful stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, I think the long-term goal, though, that we, we we were hoping for is to make it even more auto- automated. I mean, Seth, we had that whole podcast where the, the, they were there, someone was shitting on auto pwn or whatever it was. I forgot, auto split or whatever that was because it you know made it easy to. Uh, mm. Well, that's exactly what we wanted uh, to do. The guy was like taking Shodan and like. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. man, you're you're behind the pa- behind the party if it's if you're already like that though, right? See, like, well, yeah. well, no, yeah, that's all I'm gonna do is just like take my pastebin monitor, 
take those keys, run it into Weird Al, and you know, <clears throat> I'm gonna create a new tool, right? Yeah, sure, man. Hopefully, we can make someone throw a fit that we've made it too easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing that we've uh, we have an open issue and things that we're kind of kind of figuring out how to do is to take you know it logs it logs all that initial output to a database so that it is captured. You know, it's captured by key and it's also ca- captured by a target, and you can have multiple keys inside of a target. But I think the idea is to do like is to automate the next step, right? So like you ran the recon all module, you have access to the following 10 services. Um, it would be really nice if there was like a second step module that would go and do like the follow-up stuff. Cause sometimes you have access to something and there's nothing there. Right. Uh, so that's not too interesting. It'd be nice to like get that second, like second level of work done automatically. And because the data is in the database, it should be doable, right? Like we're logging what needs the functions that need to be called and should be able to map more or less, more or less, because um, most of what you found and got logged didn't require an argument, we should theoretically be able to call that second step, like uh, DynamoDB list tables or whatever, right? and just run that as a second piece and then log all that to the database as well for you. Cool. Yeah, it sounds like I need to play some more because that's all. I mean, I saw, I saw it all posted. I was like, oh, I got to use that. But, you know, getting the better description of it is good. Are you guys going to present on it here in the States anywhere? I don't know. Toller said something that cracked me up. He goes, uh, if RDS is open to your keys, log it all to their database. Which, yeah. by the way, we're going to have Ken Toller on. I, I think I owe him some dates to, I think, I, I forget. To, we, I need to link up with him. But, uh, but yeah, in terms of, like, conferences for, um, in the States, uh, I don't think we've submitted anywhere. We haven't submitted anywhere. If anybody's interested, I'm, I'm probably willing to. Yeah, if you want to pay for travel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing, like... Sunny and warm, please. Not to get off on a tangent, but honestly, I feel like international conferences do such a... We were talking about this. They do such a bang-up job in terms of hospitality and rewarding speakers. And then, you know, it's not always the case, we'll say, to be to be gentle with some of the stateside conferences. Oh, man, I can I can throw some people under the bus if you want. No, no. no. <laughs> I'm asking for that. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I mean, but you know, just general like it's it's not quite what it, what it should be. Yeah, uh, the guys from the You Shot the Sheriff conference were amazing. Yeah. And it made me feel so bad for when people come to town and I'm like, "Oh, I don't want to leave." I tell you what, man, you come to town, I will get off my couch and come see you in DC if you come visit yeah. because um, we had such a good time with like the, the locals were amazing and took us to great places to eat and uh, the drinks. And yeah, it was yeah. just, we were totally taken care of the Brucon guys have always done that. I mean, everybody overseas is always taking amazing care of me. Um, yeah. Luis put a lot of effort into yeah, all of that. He was amazing. So yeah, I can't thank him enough. We had a, I had an amazing time, found Jesus. <laughs> literally <laughs> literally changed your life awesome yeah no it was, it was a great time um cool yeah well, well we'll keep us posted obviously right um because i think there will be a lot more interest i mean i, I know that there's yeah yeah it's yeah i mean uh, i mean we can we can do a tiny spoiler like we really want to add like azure or google cloud yeah. And maybe if we can get some initial functionality of that going, that's definitely, I think, uh, talk worthy. Not that, I mean, you can give a talk more than once. I'm, I'm not one of those people that feel like I can only give a talk once. Um, especially, I don't know if this one got recorded. So 
especially if there's no recording, I definitely don't feel bad about giving a talk more than once. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think as we add some more functionality, uh, ideally people find it useful and that spawns new interesting uh, features to add or you know modules to add. But yeah, just play it by ear. Yeah, I mean definitely you know Google Cloud Measure would be would be huge. Yeah, it'd be a good excuse to learn it. I mean same thing like. You're you're reading all these AWS docs. I'm like, oh man, I had like I had to go through every service, right? Yeah. I'm like, I had no idea that it did all these different things, right? Uh, yep. You have all the Alexa modules and things where you can send it text and, and or translate modules, and he has all sorts of really neat stuff to do. You were finding a in a test lab. Wink. I don't know which part, which I should I wink with. Uh, <laughs> a, uh, you find email addresses and uh, like URLs and phone numbers. Oh yeah, for like doing the um, the SNS Just listing, like people, yeah, how yeah, the, yeah, like the config and SNS modules. You can yeah, find endpoints, emails, phone numbers. Yeah, I've never seen you with emails and phone numbers. Pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean it's you know when you when you've got to write a tool to do things, you're you're forced to actually learn what the service is and does, and yeah. um, right, and then you get to figure out how to make it do stuff. Uh, they didn't anticipate or just, you know, how can I leverage that for whatever? But. Well, I mean, this is a really good example of uh, the, like the, the whole path into security way that we were talking about at the very beginning, like to kind of bring things back around is, Hey, you're trying to automate something, but the only, the only real requirement is understanding what it is that you want to automate first <laughs> and then building it, providing it as a tool and then making it better or releasing it. And that like the whole feedback loop is there, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the more that we do that and the more that we see other people do that, I mean, that that's the way that you get into security, right? If you're passionate about it, that's what you end up doing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll use it no matter what. So if, if other people find value in it, that's definitely like a super big bonus. I mean, I wrote it because I needed it for work. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and obviously we put a lot of hours into refining it and making it something that ideally is uh, usable and stable and uh, functional. But in the end, you know, I'll use it no matter where I go just to do things. Cool. Any Good. other questions? Any other questions from the... No, uh, there was a statement um, from Sean just saying, you know, like he found same thing we talked about finding impactful bugs and demonstrating it and that helps get some traction so yeah within an org but besides that i think the oh no uh no i think that's make our slack public which we might have to do and then moderate the we have a slack for apps upset but we I we haven't we haven't made it public, so getting on there the day of is probably difficult. Then yes, yeah, yeah. So we we should make that easier. Totally. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. take that as a note from here. Is we'll we'll post the public Slack on on the website, right, Ken? And yeah, we can just do that. I think it's it, you know if people start being jerks, we'll just kick them out. Pretty yeah. easy. So <laughs> seems fun. Sweet. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we've been going for a while, but you know, any any final thoughts, Chris, on you know, life, liberty, Jesus, infosec, oh, whatever happened. I'll uh, I'll plug that I have um I'm doing a keynote at B sides Cleveland, nice. and um, it's going to be very much out of my comfort zone. And uh, if you're in the area, you should totally come. 
Uh, if not, I hope it's recorded. Why do I feel like Seth didn't Kevin Cody say he was going to be at B sides Cleveland? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll reach out to him and let him know Chris is going to be there. So yeah. you guys can link up. He so, was on the podcast. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, I, that, I guess that's my plug of like, I'm, I'm getting out of my comfort zone and giving, you know, it's not Metasploit and shells. Uh, it's some other stuff. Um, life stuff. It's life stuff. Right. So which a lot uh, of people need, I mean, a lot of people need some of that. I hope it's useful. Like I, you know, the, the quick tidbit would be, um, uh, the talk is like infosec and happiness. And I had a bout of depression about two years ago. And so it's about a lot of the getting through that, but also I just put my hacker hat on, on some of this metaphysical stuff. Right. And just started saying, okay, you know, I like to make things do things they're not supposed to. Can I do that with this metaphysical stuff? And the talk is a, a bit about that and just, you know, undocumented functions of the universe or, you know, cheat codes to life or however you want to look at it. And so hopefully, cool. hopefully useful to people. I think totally, I think it will be because, you know, for what, for all the reasons we've talked about on this podcast, we've talked about tonight and many more, there definitely is like this, uh, yeah, there's, 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 I don't know. It's just, it definitely is prevalent in tech in general, but security is, you know, especially where there's, there's those, there's those ups and downs and people could, uh, you know, hear a real story yeah. and connect and figure out how to maybe improve their situation. So I definitely think it'll be useful. I hope so. Yeah. I'm going to talk a lot about how understanding how you feel sometimes or, you know, is, is a choice in some, some cases. Right. And I, I choose, you know, you can choose to be, one of those people that wants to be offended by everything, or you can choose to be one of those people that sees the good in things. Right. And those are, those are choices you make. So, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully good. I hope, yeah, I hope it's recorded. Cause I'd be it's, interested. It's supposed I don't to be going to make it to Cleveland. Just, yeah, no, it's supposed to be. Um, if it's not, I'll have to record it. Uh, assuming I don't get burned at the stake afterwards or something, but um, yeah, you know, you know, there's this, um, you know, there's like two posters at Facebook. One was, uh, what would you do if you're not, if you weren't afraid? And then the other one, that's one of the ones I really liked. And the other one that I really liked was, uh, they had this poster that said, um, you can Google it. It was said, uh, nothing at Facebook is anyone else's problem, which is amazing. Right. So at there, everyone was allowed to do a diff, right? If you could do a diff to fix a problem, man, go for it. And, and how I think about that is, is like a lot of times I think we wait on other people to say or do something. Um, and everyone's busy or everyone's scared to do that. So like, I'm just trying to get out there and okay, give what happened to me was like, we talked about when we first started, like my path is unique to Chris and it's, you know, may not work for you, but um, some of the experiences I had or some of the things I've learned may overlap and be useful to people. And hopefully they will be. Cool. Hope they stream it. Hope they uh, are recorded rather. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, I'm almost sure that they, that they do. Um, just said, um, I'll, maybe we'll just record a dry run with you or something just so I have a copy. Well, I'll definitely at the very least update in the description of this uh, video when it's, when we have a link to provide I definitely cool. at least we'll make sure that that's out there. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, thanks for having me on. Uh, it was super fun. Yeah. I realized cause I know you, I didn't give you a proper intro in the beginning. Oh. I really sucked at that. I apologize. Like I think. To be fair, people know. I think people know who you are, but um, oh, I mean, we've been giving talks yeah. for four or five years or longer, right? I don't even know when. I can't remember when the first talk was. So, like, but yeah, yeah I, think, I, mean, I think we jumped right into 
background and didn't actually talk about what you're what you're doing now, Chris. Oh, oh I mean, well, <laughs> I we can. People should get it from context, though. Yeah, I should by now in the conversation probably have realized. But, yeah. uh, but, yeah. uh, my, I'm just my apologies on that. I totally skipped over that. Realized it half. It's very, through. very. It's not very often you get to get on a podcast and you're like familiar with the people that you're talking about. You know, because I've known you and Seth for a long time, and yeah. it's not. We're not like having that weird, you know, first date moment where you're trying to put, <laughs> we're trying to put like, uh, you know, a, a good show up. Like we all know dirt on each other, so we can just get roll right into it and have fun. <laughs> Time goes by fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, man. awesome. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're interested, we'd love to have you on again sometime in the future, right? Just as you're doing other stuff, or if you want to talk about, I mean, I would love a follow up regarding your your keynote. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, after. after yeah, it's about it. a month out. So, yeah, we can do something in July or August. Yeah, a few months. And, you know, that'll work. So, yeah, I'd uh, love to. I mean, um, I don't hate all things InfoSec anymore. Uh, <laughs> so, I actually am enjoying like talking to people and leaving the house and talking about computer stuff again. So, that's a good place to be in. Yeah, it's a lot better place to be in. Yeah. Cool. All right. Good deal. Well, uh, you know, thanks everybody for joining us tonight. Right. Um, obviously I'll, we'll get this ripped and put up on the side as well. We'll put some updates up on it. You know, we need to make that a little bit more dynamic, but me and Ken are working on it. Ken, any final thoughts for tonight? I was just going to mention, we have some, uh, I have one guest that's upcoming that is sort of going to be a pretty big surprise. Uh, well, I'm excited. I want to confirm and lock it in and then announce it. Ken Toller's coming on. Um, so we're working on our, our list of folks. Um, we're going to work on Slack. This is like the 17th time we've been told to do it. So we'll figure that out. Uh, and then in terms of Chris, he, his, uh, his Twitter handle is already in the video. So, but it's at carnal ownage. Uh, and your blog is carnalownage.attackresearch.com. Uh, if you want to see any of the articles that he's put out. And again, he'll be keynoting at B-Sides Cleveland. So uh, we appreciate you coming over. I'll say I also have uh, open DMs. So um, if someone, if I'm not following you, you should be able to send me a message and I'm usually fairly responsive. Unless you're a bot. <laughs> or I think you're a bot. Yeah. Then you get the, then you get the ban hammer. Cool. All right. Thanks everybody for joining. We'll talk soon. Bye. Thanks.